FranWise presents What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. Here's your host, Marianne O'Connell. Hi, welcome to What's Your Effing Business podcast. I'm Marianne O'Connell. I'm the president and founder of FranWise. In this series, we're talking about what are the core pieces of a franchise business that can make a system successful, and what do you focus on, what kind of gets in the way. Before we got into that, we're, as we talked about in the last episode, we're talking about what's the difference between the people who start the businesses and those who take it to great heights, or as I like to refer to it as builders and growers. So today's guest is the founder of Zoracle, Rebecca Monet. Rebecca, do you remember when we first met? Yes, I do. Actually, we're talking a whole bunch of years ago at a conference in, I believe it was Louisville, that we met. And since then, of course, had uh, many opportunities to interact. And I'm always so grateful that you're technically just up the street from me, 45 minutes an hour. (laughs) Although in today's world, we don't get to see each other as often as I'd like. That's true. Well, Rebecca, you're right. Um, And I was fascinated. I sat in that airport with you as we were waiting for our flights. And you were explaining more and more of the science behind profiling. So why don't you tell our audience a bit about Zoracle? So Zoracle uh, Profiles is a profiling company that provides uh, profiling tools for franchisors and for franchise consultants that helps facilitate a right fit between a prospective franchisee and a franchise system. So our sciences are based on seven statistically validated sciences that are combined into a single tool. So it kind of gives us a deeper, more meaningful look at current franchisees and prospective franchisees, because we're not just looking at their personality and we're not just looking at the competencies that they uh, possess, but we're also looking at what kind of a culture they fit into and what stage of growth of a franchise organization they will fit into. And we're also looking at some of the softer markers, which have huge financial uh, correlations, including uh, emotional and social intelligence markers. So basically, it's a profiling tool that combines seven statistically validated sciences in a single tool that gives us a deep and meaningful look at our perspective and our current franchisees. So your focus has been getting the right franchisees into the franchise system. Correct. Wonderful. But you said something about understanding what stage of growth the system should be in for the right fit for that candidate. So can we use your science and your tools to talk about determining where that franchisor is and the best fit? I think that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because to your point, the uh, leadership team of a franchise organization uh, needs to be Uh, designed for the stage of growth of that franchise organization. There are franchisors that are fabulous at establishing systems and processes and, you know, being those builders. And then there are other leaders that are much better at taking, replicating, managing, you know, and, and creating kind of this sustainable business model. So using a tool uh, that helps determine who that leadership team should be and the right individual, that will help it grow the way you want it to grow is is vital for overall success of that franchise organization. 
So what would you say if I'm a founder? I'm really a word I think we misuse a lot, entrepreneur. I am the entrepreneur. I have the great idea. I want to get it started. What would be some of the key characteristics that person would need? So um, obviously a uh, entrepreneur or a concept originator is indeed a true uh, risk taker. So frequently the thing that they need most is an innovative spirit, right? So when you look at the stages of growth for a franchisor to launch and grow from stage one to stage two requires an incredible amount of creativity and innovation along with a kind of that vision leadership kind of uh, skills. And at that stage, the franchisor really only has himself and maybe one or two or three uh, employees. So it doesn't require the same kind of managing a team kind of uh, experience. It really is an individual that is a visionary. He's a risk taker or she's a risk taker. And she enjoys kind of pushing pushing the envelope. So it's someone that is indeed a visionary and uh, is willing to kind of put it all on the line. The, the risk ability is much, much higher at that time. It's also someone, in my opinion, Maryam, that's extremely adaptable. Uh, so it's someone that doesn't need a whole lot of systems and processes yet, that they are capable of adapting to the environment and the demands of the early stage franchisees and, of course, the demands of the environment itself and the economy at that time. So it's someone that's flexible and someone that's adaptable and actually thrives in a very dynamic kind of chaotic, dust flying everywhere kind of uh, role in those early stages. So what kind of people would complement that? Um, that sounds great, but there are details, no matter how early you are in the system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the devil truly is in, in the details. details. In this case, the devil is a lawyer and 12 people in a jury <laughs> box, but the, they're really there. So what kind of traits would that person need to complement themselves? Oh, so such a great point, right? Because you want the concept originator, if he wants to grow from stage one to stage two, you want them to stay in this innovative, creative place. That's what will cause the business to grow. Um, but at the same time, oftentimes those early stage franchisors don't really have uh, the leadership skills, or if they have the leadership skills, they may not have the innovation skills. So frequently they will partner with or bring on strong operational people that will begin to put, uh, let's call it legs underneath the, the uh, systems and the ideas. They start to put in the operational procedures and the training processes and the support processes. So they need to partner with individuals that have a strong operational side to them that can create systems and processes that ultimately will be, uh, you know, replicable, replicable and allow that next wave of franchisees to embrace and and to leverage that. The challenge oftentimes, to your point, is that that early stage franchise, franchisor uh, is so busy with the minutiae and the day-to-day -day operations, he loses the vision, he loses his innovation. 
um, and uh, doesn't put that operational person in place fast enough. And so now they're trying to do it all. They're trying to lead and they're trying to put in systems. And at the same time, they're uh, trying to create the best possible widget or idea. And it's too much for a founder to really have. So it's important that they pull a team together that take care of that details and allows them instead to stay focused on uh, keeping their finger on the pulse of the market and continuing to innovate. Self-assessment's not easy. If it was, we would have no therapists in the United States, um, <laughs> but we do. So what tools or what, what hints can you give to those builders, those founders who are going to have to take that hard look in the mirror and realize I need help and that it's totally okay to ask for help? Yeah, that's a biggie. Right. Uh, because, uh, you know, founders, especially true entrepreneurs, really do think they're kind of superheroes and they're <laughs> invincible in a thousand different ways. And it's hard to truly uh, self-reflect, which is where tools are so useful. The Zorkle tool uh, will assess various markers. What are your hard competencies? Do you have sales skills? Should you be doing the franchise development? Do you have operational skills? Should you be the one creating uh, those uh, systems? What are your marketing skills like? What are your technical skills like? So any kind of tool that helps them look at what we call the hard uh, skills and then the soft skills, which are the emotional and social intelligence markers, things like self-management, self-control, self-discipline, uh, things around uh, my ability to build a team, handle conflict, uh, collaborate, uh, my transparency. All of those kinds of markers are important in a kind of looking at myself as a founder and then selecting the right uh, players that will complement who I am as a player. If a franchisor knows that she's, you know, weak in operations or in sales or technical skills, or she knows she's not really great at building uh, a team, right? That's not where she's strong and she's terrible at conflict management or whatever the issues are, she knows that and can really look at it uh, now she can find the right people that complement and augment where she uh, or he is weak. So this question might be a bit of a curveball, but how can, I'm going to rephrase this. You probably do have clients, franchise clients, that are still being run by the founder who may be coming to the apex of their talent. How mm -hmm. can they get a good definition of the franchisee profile if they don't understand their profile. So true. So true. I mean, bottom line, especially those first few franchisees, they have to uh, complement the leadership team, the franchisor, the, the founder. And it's so common, especially in early stage franchise systems, for the founder to select people very much like themselves that are 
entrepreneurial, risk takers, out of the box thinkers, innovators, uh, love things that are dynamic and changing. And so they'll find franchisees that actually look more like themselves. And ultimately what happens is those franchisees will become extremely autonomous right? They're used to doing things their own way. And then as systems and processes come in place, because folks like yourself are helping them put those systems in place, lawyers are helping them put systems in place, those early stage franchisees that, you know, love the willy nilly and love not having someone tell them what to do and not, and not having a whole lot of rules um, are going to start to be conf conflictive with the franchisor. But it's very common for us to pick people like ourselves, especially in the early, instead of looking at it, who am I? What am I bringing to the table as a franchisor? And ultimately, what is expected of my franchisee? We want, and you know, know this better than anyone, we want interdependent relationships. You can't have interdependent relationships if we have two exactly the same things, right? You got to have a bolt and a, a, a uh, screw, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to have both of those for things to uh, to work. And so uh, this is a common issue. And then later we wonder why there's validation issues and franchisees are just not a good fit or going upstream and we're going downstream or whatever is going on. It's, it's very dangerous for us to do that. So... Um, <laughs> I remember in that conversation in the airport, <laughs> you mentioning that those initial franchisees are very often that once you start to put the, the not only the processes in place, but the company gets bigger and their direct access to the founder is now barred. Mm. There are people buffering that they very often fall off. Yes. Does, does it happen the other way? Do you see in these systems that as the systems grow and maybe that franchise or that founder was smart enough to start bringing in complimentary people, but they can't integrate with it anymore. Mm -hmm. I worked for a brand that <clears throat> was started by a brilliant man. Um, he was really a visionary. He was way ahead of most people's thinking in terms of technology and everything else. But as his company got bigger, he brought in a really good COO but couldn't handle the processes and quite literally disappeared for three months. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Um, and then when we were trying to put processes in and he came back, he just couldn't handle he couldn't that handle at all. Um, luckily he found a buyer for that company. But um, do you see that where it's not the franchisees exactly or, or only mm -hmm. who's falling off, but the franchisor realize that's when the franchisor realizes things have changed. Things have changed. They're no longer interested. They're bored. They're not wired to do those systems and processes. They're not wired to manage a business. They are creators. They are true builders, but they're not going to live in that building, right? They're going to build it and then they're going to exit. So as you pointed out, in this case, the franchisor 
figured it out. I, I, I no longer belong. This is no longer a good place. The right, I got right franchisees. I got a right C, COO, but I am not a good fit within my own franchise system. I am now no longer excited, interested, or even using my full talents at this stage of growth, which is why it's so common. We call it stage two. So common in stage two for private equity firms to come in and buy those companies out, a franchisor to sell, uh, and if if he's uncomfortable, then it's it's time for him to go start something new and fresh that that excites him. He's not uh, what you call a grower. He's a builder. He built the business, and then he's ready to exit. And there's nothing wrong with that if you understand your true strengths and you play to them. Uh, and you know that you're going to exit, then you position the company to exit, and you bring in the right. Uh, individual, right buyers that will take it to the next level and and grow it the way you envisioned it. So um, you and I have talked before, and we were both talking about somebody we both have respect for being Shelly's son. Mm. And did you, you've read her book, Grow Smart, Risk Less. Um, Rebecca is showing me a copy of that book right now. (laughs) Um, So if you notice, she started with a plan understanding who she was that's a that's pretty extraordinary isn't it to to truly understand who you are and what you're going to need going forward yeah i don't think most of us are even a fraction as self-aware as what shelly is and her book is just incredible where she did take a hard look at who she was and what she needed to build around her she had a plan Uh, But most franchisors, as you know, they have a great idea, but they don't have all the ducks uh, in a row. And and fortunately, oftentimes there are others that will come and say, let me help and let's put uh, the pieces together. But that self-awareness, I don't think most of us uh, possess, but it ultimately is the thing that will allow us to say, kind of do a gap analysis of ourselves says, I'm not so good at this, right? Or my co-founder is really great at that. So we can work um, more, you know, conducively. So that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal. We've talked a lot about that builder and, and who they are, Mm -hmm. who are the growers is, is, is there a single profile or is it because you're growing and you're diversifying your company? There are a lot of profiles. So there are several profilers underneath that grower. And a lot of it, as you pointed out, has to do with the stage of growth. So in the, uh, in stage two, the, the grower is typically a systems or operational kind of individual that will put legs under uh, the process, or it'll be a really good franchise development person. If the franchisor is more of a systems oriented person. But as you grow, once you're past about 70 units, 70 franchisees, then it becomes more of a management exercise. It's about being a great delegator. It's about budget management, project management, people uh, management, and getting the greatest out of our team. So typically is someone that has great management skills, great HR skills, the ability to recognize potential in others and then develop 
uh, them. It's also someone by the time you get to late stage two or stage three, as we call it, uh, it's uh, someone who is good at building consensus. Uh, they're able to collaborate and build team so we can retain those great employees that we have at the corporate uh, level. So it really is more of a people person, right? It's more of a manager uh, type of person. In fact, we might just call them a project manager, but they're bigger than just a project manager. They're well, able they have to, to see beyond a single project. Exactly. They have to see how it all integrates. How that, that new piece of software integrates with this new sales system, with this new training, with this onboarding uh, process. So they're kind of these, uh, you know, master puppeteers where they can manage a bunch of just different projects at the same time, but also have the people skills, right, to make sure that they, they're picking the right team. I've seen this in a couple of brands. And, and when I say a couple, I'm being literal. I know two, but I'm sure it's happened in others. The founders, three, the founders have gotten to a point where they know they've hit this, the top of their skill set. And I have found that most of them came to that awareness when they put an advisory board together mm -hmm. and they could no longer answer the questions that their advisors were asking. Um, and so both, all three of these companies being fortunate, having people come in, they were able to stay as a founder. Yeah. How does that role work in with this profile structure? I, I like that uh, process uh, because that's a wise franchisor that says, I can be the face, I can be the PR person, I could be the origin story, right? The idea person. So they become the origin story and it keeps the culture going, right? Because they obviously created the original uh, culture. So keeping them as a figurehead um, uh, is a wise thing for uh, the, the board to do, um, but also to relieve them of some of the day-to-day -day operations where they may not be that. But what happens is they become the heart, right? They become the heart that says, this is what our intention is as a culture, as a product, as a service. So I think it's a, a natural uh, way for a founder to stay involved and to have that support system by the advisory board um, and to get, get some of that minutia off of his or her plate uh, and let that business continue to grow, but keep the heart of the business. And an excellent example of that, as you know, is uh, Dina Dwyer Owens, right? She kept the heart of that uh, culture and remained as a figurehead for a long time until she was uh, good at being able to effectively pass it on to the next, uh, you know, group. Okay, then that makes four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and without naming all the brands, but in my head, I'm realizing that the four I know who have done it successfully are women women. Well, we have bigger hearts. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that, folks. That was said by Rebecca. Um, let's, and, and this might be an obvious question, but so we're looking at as these companies grow and progress and more layers of complexity are added to them, that the role of the leadership has to change. That's basically what we're talking about with the builders and the growers. Mm-hmm. How does the profile of the franchisee change to keep up with the leadership or does it? It 
does. It has to, right? Those early stage franchisees are completely different than a franchisee that comes in when we have 300 franchisees, right? It's a completely different uh, franchise uh, system. In early stages, it has to be someone that's comfortable with uh, minimal systems and processes, minimal uh, support. It needs to be someone that's flexible and adaptable. But as we grow, uh, we go into stage two, we become much more interdependent. We think more like partners is the way we begin uh, to think. So the franchisors become very clear on this is what they bring to the table. This is what they need from their franchisor. But by the time we grow into, you know, a hundred to 300 franchisees. Now it's a franchisee. That's not that same. That's, I call them hunters. You know, the franchisee and that's in an early stage franchise system, they're hunters, right? They're going out, they're shaking the bushes, they're bringing in that business. Uh, but in stage three, when the brand is recognizable, now we need someone that's a good complier that will embrace the system, leverage the system. They're more technicians, right? Than they are true uh, hunters. And then the bigger the organization uh, goes, the more that franchisee is going to grow, which is why oftentimes uh, those early franchisees will, you know, go out their 10-year contract and begin to rethink things that maybe they're no longer a great fit. Not, nothing wrong with the franchisor, nothing wrong with them. They're just no longer, you know, uh, simpatico at, at that point. So bottom line, we're just talking about natural evolutions but recognizing that the stages of it and addressing those. I mean, we can let evolution roll over us and get left behind mm -hmm. with a vestigial tail or something, or we can move forward and make the changes to, to survive. Um, so if brands are interested, do you test, do you do profiling for franchisors? We do. We do, okay. especially uh, emerging franchisors where it's vital, you know, that they have what it takes to grow to that next uh, level. So, yes, we do. Okay. And I think the, but we also do this, that you're, you're known for what you do for franchisees and how that not only builds a system, but that feedback can also be used to help train and coach those franchisees, right? Exactly. So how can people find you? How can they reach you? So best way to reach us, of course, is on zoracleprofiles.com, our website, or myself, Rebecca Monet, on uh, LinkedIn. You can also take the assessment, by the way, right on the website. How fun. All righty. Well, I, I want to thank you for the great insights and helping us lay a base for this season's uh, conversations about builders and growers. Because if we start to understand uh, bottom line, what is it that changes? What are we looking for? Then I think the stories of the people who have successfully navigated that, that we're going to have for the rest of the season will make a lot more sense. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for your time. Oh, my pleasure. I always enjoy our conversations, Marianne. Mine too. Why don't we do it so infrequently? I know. We need to do that. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of What's Your Effing Business? Builders and Growers, Season 1. Um, we want to give thanks to the people at Social Geek Radio who are actually helping me learn how to be a podcaster and get through this. And our title music is supplied to us by Sean O'Connell and Leviathan Brothers. Tune in for our next episode which will feature 
Susan Beth from NRD Capital, both a builder and a grower. Again, thank you so much, uh, Rebecca. Thank you.